it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com. EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa, that podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Friday, the 26th of January. 
a day that will be imprinted on the hearts and minds of Liverpool fans forever. As Jurgen Klopp has announced, he will leave the club at the end of the season, citing fatigue and burnout as the primary reasons, saying he doesn't believe he could continue to do this job year after year. Um, I'm kind of over the initial surprise. It was it was a big surprise uh, to get that news just before 11 o'clock this morning. It is now 10 past two. Um, done multiple podcasts talking about it already. One more to come. And I've kind of talked my way through the surprise of it. And I'm now trying to process the the what comes next. Who comes next? I've kind of settled on a short list of four in my own head. The more important thing, first and foremost, is to get a sporting director in place and rebuild the structure of the club. I think the obvious choice for that is Michael Edwards, who was formerly at the club, who is as good as there is in the industry, who is out of, you know, not working for a club. He's not out of go back to the well with those two and bring them back to the club. Edwards as sporting CEO to replace Mike Gordon, maybe bring Julian Ward back as the sporting director under Edwards bring in Ian Graham in whatever role he wants. Obviously, Will Spearman replaced him in his old role, but you find a role for Ian Graham. And then you go from there and you appoint a manager. Again, like I say, I've settled on a short list of four. It might not be any of these people. The obvious Premier League candidate is Roberto De Zerbi. I think he is... A very, very good manager, plays a great style of football. There's obviously some question marks over whether that style is sustainable to win major honours. With better players, I think it could be. He's the obvious Premier League candidate. The obvious candidate is Xabi Alonso. Having an outstanding season with Bayer Leverkusen, top of the Bundesliga, unbeaten on the campaign. But he's very young, very inexperienced. Now, he he's doing a great job, but he's very inexperienced. He's yet to win anything as a manager. And I do think winning trophies should be a prerequisite. A, a, a track record of winning trophies should be a prerequisite to taking over at Liverpool. And thus far, I mean, De Zerbi, he has won... The Ukrainian, did he not win the Ukrainian League? I thought he won the Ukrainian League. Maybe not. Um, so he, he did win a cup or a league with Foggia. Not that it means anything. He doesn't have the winning experience either. Neither does Alonso. Alonso's yet to win anything as a manager. Now, Alonso obviously won anything and everything as a player. He won a World Cup, two European Championships. He won four league titles. He won a Champions League. He won four domestic cups. Uh, Xabi Alonso is a is a lifelong winner. And he's, like I say, doing an incredible job with Bayer Leverkusen. But it's only 
14 months, 15 months. He was appointed the start of October 2022. So 15 months as a manager. He had three years with Real Sociedad's B team. It wasn't it wasn't great, but B team management in Spain is always weird because your players are getting plucked for the first team. You don't always know week to week who you're going to have available to you. Um, certainly he would be an exciting appointment and he plays a really good brand of football as well, like the Zerbi. Then there's Ruben Amram, who I think is probably my number one pick. Sporting Lisbon, been there now four years come March. Um, he's won a league title. He's won two domestic cups. He's on track to win another league title this year. I feel like he's the one that has, of the European candidates, the, the candidates managing in Europe, he's the one that has the best CV. I like the brand of football he plays. I like this teams are built on a very strong defensive foundation. I think he plays a very fun brand as well, like Alonso, like De Zerbi. So he's probably my number one choice. My wildcard choice, who I don't expect to get much consideration, but I think he should, is Abel Ferreira of Palmieres, who's won two Brazilian Serie A titles and two Copa Libertadores. He's a bit more pragmatic in his approach than the others, who are quite idealistic. Um, he, he did a, an amazing job with Braga when he was there. He did well with PAOK when he was there, and he's been phenomenal since going to Palmieri's. I don't expect him to get consideration, but I do think he warrants consideration. I think he's done a good enough job to warrant consideration. But if I had to pick, I'd go Ruben Amram. I know most Liverpool fans will, will immediately go for Alonso because he played for Liverpool and they know his name more. He's the, the shiny thing. And he might be the best option. He genuinely could be. Any of these could be the best option. But the biggest question is who'll work best in the structure? Who's going to work best in the structure that Liverpool put in place? Whether it's Michael Edwards or somebody else, who's going to work best in that structure? Who's going to give Liverpool the best chance of continued success? I'll tell you one thing. Nobody is coming to Anfield between now and the end of the season and enjoying their day out. That place is going to be loud. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be passionate. And Liverpool are going to be very, very hard to knock off top spot. Very, very hard to knock off top spot. I still think City are the favourites for the title. But I do think, given this news, this might be what pushes Liverpool over the line. There's obviously plenty of morons wanting to have their conspiracy theories. Let them at it. I have no time or tolerance for them. Um, it's a strange day. It is a strange day. 
Uh, let's have a look then and see what else we've got. Uh, West Ham have signed Calvin Phillips on loan from Man City. Eddie Howe has said Jolington may have played his last game for Newcastle. Ivo Gerbic has completed his move to Atletico Madrid. Uh, Ivory Coast attempt to loan Herve Renard as coach rejected by the French Football Federation. Uh, Chelsea have broken the British record women's transfer fee to sign Mayra Ramirez from Levante for €450,000 plus another another €50,000 in add-ons. So €500,000 total, which works out at about 426000 And if the add-ons kick in, she'll become the most expensive player in world history for a women's player. So there you go. Uh, Rubiales has lost his appeal against FIFA's ban. So he will serve the three-year ban, which is good. He should be banned for life, personally. I don't feel like he should ever work in football again. Uh, Leander Dendonker has joined Napoli on loan with an option to buy. And in the FA Cup last night, we saw a hammering. We saw Bournemouth 5, Swansea City 0. Very impressive outing for Bournemouth. Lloyd Kelly, Alex Scott, Luis Sinistera, all within the first 14 minutes put the game to bed. David Brooks scored on 35. Great to see him scoring a goal and Dominic Solanke scoring on 44 to make it 5-0 at halftime, at which point uh, the game was very much dead and buried and Brighton, or Bournemouth rather, just kind of cruised through the second half. We'll do the gossip. We'll go to break. Uh, We'll come back with Guy We'll go through the games. I'm I'm sorry. This is I'm a bit distracted today by the Klopp stuff. So, um, and we've got a lot on. So I, this is not going to be the usual Friday pod, or maybe not even a good pod. But I do apologize. Uh, Newcastle could sell Callum Wilson for about 18 million in the final week of the transfer window, with Chelsea, Arsenal, and Manchester United all alerted to his availability. Uh, France forward Kylian Mbappe has received an offer to join Real Madrid as a free agent and another to renew his contract with Paris Saint-Germain, but he remains undecided on his future. That move could help Manchester United secure the signing of Vinicius Jr. The deluded world that some of these journalists live in or the, the, the world of lies that they live in is just amazing. Mbappe wants to join Real, but the Spanish side are offering about half of the 60 million a year the Ford wants to move to the club. Carlo Ancelotti has asked the club about re-signing Karim Benzema from Al Itahad. Benzema wants to leave Saudi already. Bayern Munich are in talks with Galatasaray to sign Sasha Bui after ending their interest in Kieran Trippier. Sasha Bui is better than Kieran Trippier. Um uh, there's a bunch of Premier League clubs could have done with him. I think he's a really good player and This kind of validates my pushing multiple Premier League clubs to go for him. Chelsea are among the clubs interested in signing Jan Duran from Aston Villa. I don't think he's for sale. I think this is just a story that somebody's made up. 
Eric Ten Hag wants Brian Brobby and Jared Brantwaite, but the Dutchman is no longer in control of transfers, which is a good thing for United. Though Brantwaite is a big talent, but you spent £60 million buying a Garden Gnome, so where would he play? Newcastle are closely monitoring Morgan Gibbs-White for a January move. Unlikely. Wolves are stalling on a £30 million move for Armando Brogia as they work to ensure they comply with the Premier League spending rules. Thirty million is more realistic for him than the fifty million that was originally quoted. The Football Association of Ireland is hopeful of hiring England under twenty-one boss Lee Carsley to be the Republic of Ireland's senior manager. Uh, that's from Miguel Delaney, so you can take that one to the bank. Very clued in on the FAI. Morgan Rogers is believed to be keen on Aston Villa after Middlesbrough rejected two bids. Makes sense that he would want that. Crystal Palace are closing in on a deal to sign Colombian right-back Daniel Munoz from Belgian Pro League side Ghent. Genk, sorry, not Ghent, Genk. Uh, they do need a right-back des- desperately. He doesn't really fit with what they've been doing, but it is what it is. Blackburn Rovers are plotting a move for QPR's Irish defender Jimmy Dunn. Okay. Tottenham could recall Tangai Endombele from his loan spell at Galatasaray and send him elsewhere with Ren and Al-Etifak interested. Well, Al-Etifak do need a midfielder after Jordan Henderson shot his pants and ran away, um, having flopped. I'm just going to, I just don't care today. He flopped in, uh, he's a dreadful set of lads <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Tangai Endombele, though. Um, belly is the key word there. Has anyone seen him recently? Like, I know I'm not slender, but he's carrying some timber and he's a professional footballer. Uh, Sunderland have reiterated their interest in Ahmed Diallo, who was brilliant for them on loan, and I think that's a loan that would make sense. Ipswich Town have made AFC Wimbledon and Iraq striker Ali Ali Al-Hamadi a major target in the final week of the transfer window. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense they could do with a goal push as they attempt to gain promotion. We'll take a break. We're back after this with Guy Drinkle. See you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So uh, joining me as he does every day on a Friday, uh, a little bit of a different Friday, obviously, for both of us, to discuss uh, this weekend's FA Cup games is Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, Guy? Absolutely terrible. That's to be expected. To be expected. Now, we have a clatter of games beginning tonight and running all the way through to Monday. Uh, many of them feature teams that neither of us will watch regularly. We do obviously have a few all Premier League ties that we can hit in a bit more detail. But let's jump in, Guy, and just get through these predictions. Yeah, starting off uh, tonight, I think it started off last night, actually, with Bournemouth after um, mm. in Swansea, but I'm sure you'll... Talk about that quickly in the first half of the show. Uh, but starting off tonight, uh, quarter to eight kickoff, uh, we have Bristol City hosting Forest. Bristol obviously already knocked out a uh, a Premier League side, so why not again? I think Bristol will be confident. I mean, West Ham are a better team than Nottingham Forest, and they went to West Ham and got a draw and then beat them at home. So no reason for Bristol to fear Forest at all. Forest have a lot of injury problems, especially the Morgan Gibbs-White injury, which is such a big blow. So I'm actually going to go for the upset here. I'm going to go Bristol City 1, Nottingham Forest 0. Fair enough, strong, I like it. Uh, Chef Wednesday against Coventry City, full championship round. Or game, I should say. 
love this game. This is the game I'm watching tonight. I don't care that there's a big Premier League, a, a big old Premier League game on. I'm watching this one because this is my childhood. Sheffield Wednesday versus Coventry, 16th versus 17th in the 94, 95, whatever season Premier League. No, I'm actually not. I'm going to obviously, there's, a, there's an obvious game to watch tonight. They have screwed up the the scheduling. Yeah, just a bit. They've, they've badly screwed up the scheduling of this weekend. But Sheffield Wednesday versus Coventry is fun for me because it is it is nostalgic. This game will be at Hillsborough. I remember plenty of games between these clubs at both Hillsborough and the old Highfield Road. I'm going to go for Coventry City to go into Sheffield, outplay Wednesday and come away with the win. I'm going 3-1 to Coventry City. Lovely stuff. And now we have the first of the full Premier League round, which probably should be on TV, but isn't. Uh, Chelsea Villa. The Villa kind of slowed down a bit whilst Chelsea sped up, but depends how much rotation either side does in this game, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think Chelsea will go full strength because their only hope of silverware is one is winning one of the domestic cups. They've got nothing else to really play for. Obviously not in Europe and with no chance of finishing top four. I think all they can really hope for is to win one of the domestic cups that also would provide a path into Europe for the next season, potentially. Um, Villa are a better team than Chelsea, but away from home, Villa aren't as good. I am going to go for a Chelsea win. I've no real logic behind it other than Villa aren't great away from home. So I'm going, I'll go Chelsea 2 1. Yeah, and Villa haven't played in a week and a half mm. as well, whereas Chelsea have at least played the League Cup game. So might be a bit less rusty. Um, game full of rust. We have uh, Tottenham hosting Man City. Uh, the weird voodoo over Man City it does, it does seem to not matter who the Spurs manager is. It just seems to work. Yeah, it just seems like they are the bogey team of Manchester City. And this game, obviously, is at the Tottenham Stadium. They've got James Madison back. They're pretty close to full strength. Obviously, Son is missing, which is a big blow. But the the sort of makeup of the team and the pace they have in attack is often what's caused City trouble. That kind of Son pace in behind. Well, they have pace in this team whether it's Timo Werner, whether it's Brennan Johnson, whether it's Richarlison, they have speedsters who can get in behind City's defence, which has looked a little bit slow this season. And look, everybody everybody knows City are the better team here. Like City are the better team, but it will be interesting to see whether Pep risks KDB from the start. Does he hold him back with the league and the Champions League being of, of more importance? I could see Guardiola rotating for this one because I, I don't think he'll care all that much about the FA Cup this year. I think he'll be focused on the two big ones. So I think City will play a weakened team, whereas I think Spurs will go as strong as possible. I think Ange has already said he's going to go as strong as possible. I'm going to go for the Spurs win. I'm going to go 3-1. Yeah, it's an interesting game always. Um, 
Moving on to Saturday, then we have the uh, the City games on TV, I should say, for UK people. And, and so is this one. We have Ipswich hosting Maidstone uh, on the Beeb. Um, interesting game, I think. I made stun the lowest team left, I think. Um, whereas Ipswich obviously doing really well in the championship. Yeah, Ipswich are flying. Now they've they've hit a bit of a rough patch of late, um, and had a bit of a wobble, and they've allowed the teams below them to catch them. But there's still there's there's Leicester are gonna win the league, and then there's basically three teams Ipswich, Southampton, and Leeds, who are battling for second. And the other two will definitely be playoff teams unless one of them has like a historic collapse. For Ipswich to be competing with two teams that dropped out of the Premier League is incredibly impressive. It's even more impressive when you consider they were in League One last season. So the job that Kieran McKenna has done has been incredible. The Maidstone journey is fantastic, though, and it's it's just been it's fun to see a team from their level get to this point in the cup, but I think it ends for them tonight. We're going to go Ipswich 3-0, or tomorrow, I should say. We're going to go Ipswich 3-0 over Maidstone. Yeah, they should do, you'd think. Uh, Into the three o'clock kickoffs, uh, Leicester hosting Birmingham. Uh, Have Birmingham got any better since Rooney left the mustard on? Yeah, they have improved, and I think... If this game was in Birmingham, I'd actually pick Birmingham to win. But it's in Leicester. Leicester are the best team in the championship by a considerable margin at this point. There's some really exciting players. It looks like they've got Stefano Sensi in from Inter, which is another really good addition. Um, I've been very impressed by Marasca, what he's done as manager there this year. Another one, obviously, from the Guardiola coaching factory. So you can imagine what the style of play is. I do think there's weaknesses in the Leicester team. I think you can get at that defence because it's not the quickest. But I'll back Leicester to win this game. We'll go 2-0. Yeah, I think I think you'd have to back them considering the position they are in the championship. Uh, the other uh, recently relegated team who've kind of become on very strong um, after a bit of a weird start was Leeds hosting Plymouth, another uh, all-championship tie. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Leeds are are in that mix right at the top of the championship, having a very, very good season. I think, you know, when Daniel Farker took over, we'd seen what he'd done at Norwich with the multiple promotions. It was very clear what Leeds were aiming for there. Plymouth have not adapted to life in the championship as well as Ipswich, but they've, you know, they've kind of settled into a mid-table position. Um, They're not comfortable or anything because they're only well to be fair they're nine points outside the relegation zone so yeah they they probably are comfortable um they're not in great form though one win in their last five is not ideal whereas with Leeds they've won the last four in a row and they're just they're playing really good football I still don't understand why Dan James is in the team but they're strong defensively. They're good going forward. Their quality in midfield is among the best in the division. We're going to go for a Leeds win here. Uh, we'll go 3 1. Yep, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, full Premier League tie, Everton hosting Luton. Feels like both these sides, I mean, they'd like a cup run, 
but I think they've got more important things on the mind. Yeah, you kind of feel like the cup run is almost too big a distraction for either of them to carry at the moment because, well, especially Everton with the potential of another points deduction hanging over mm. their head, that would send them to the bottom of the table, which, I mean, would be fairly horrendous for them given they've they've played well this year. They've done well. They should be sitting in 12th. They could easily find themselves bottom. Luton would be the biggest beneficiaries of an Everton points deduction because they jump out of the bottom three and they do have a bit of a cushion. It's only four points, but they do have a bit of a bit of a cushion built on Burnley. If Forrest get the deduction as well, they'd actually have a six point cushion on Forrest and Sheffield United, who'd be 18 and 19 in the table. And Luton would jump, um, would jump as high as 16th with Burnley also stepping out of the relegation zone. And what's that saying? You know that you know that that cartoon of the guy running next to the other guy, and there's a lion chasing him, and one of them says, "We're never going to outrun this lion," and the other guy says, "I don't need to outrun the lion. <laughs> I only need to outrun you." That's how Luton need to look at this. They don't need to outrun everybody at the moment. They just need to outrun Everton. If the points deductions come in, they only need to outrun Burnley. Yeah. So for them, maybe cup a cup run is easier to manage than for Everton, who would need to throw all resources at the league. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this they've, one... They've already had a replay as well, which doesn't help. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's just extra minutes in the legs. Um, Everton are at home. We'll go for an Everton win. It'll be This is going to be an ugly game of football, though. But we'll go for an Everton win. We'll go 1-0. We all know which game we're watching on Saturday. Sean fun. Dyche. Oh, this is... This is <laughs> like, Sean Dyche... If, if Sean Dyche was, wasn't working but a Sean Dyche equivalent manager was managing Everton. Mm. And he was sat at home looking at these fixtures and he's looking at, you know, you've got Tottenham against City, you've got Leeds, Plymouth, you've got Leicester, Birmingham, you've got good games this weekend, like games that will have really nice football played. The one game he would pick to watch would be Everton versus Luton because he's just that type of guy. It will not be pretty, but I'm going to go at 1-0 to Everton. Fantastic. Uh, Sheffield United, again, bigger fish to fry, hosting Brighton. It feels like Brighton have obviously had a couple cup runs as a semi-final last year, if mm. I remember correctly. Obviously got the Europa to compete with this season. They're probably one of the handful of favourites um, at the minute. So it wouldn't surprise me if Brighton take this very strongly. I think they will. I think they will. I think Brighton will view this as a cup they can win this year. And I mean, that would be incredible if Deserby could win them a cup. Um, like you said, they're one of the probably the four favourites to win the Europa League. You'd say Liverpool, Leverkusen, West Ham and Brighton, probably. I mean, yeah, Milan. I Milan, if they get through, but they might not. Yeah. You know, they're not actually officially in it yet. They have to do mm-hmm. this playoff round. Um, but of the four clubs that are are sitting waiting in the round of sixteen, those are probably the four. Obviously, like you said, Milan, maybe one or two others that have dropped in. Thankfully, no Sevilla this year. Um, but Brighton have a chance. Like if the draw breaks well for them, if for example Liverpool drew Leverkusen and they knock each other out, and let's say West Ham got the winner of that and then they got knocked out. In a one-off game, if Brighton got to the final and could avoid those teams, 
especially if it was West Ham, I think they'd actually fancy West Ham in a final. Um, though Moyes would just roll out Mikel Antonio and just, Antonio, and just bombard them with the long <laughs> ball and win 5-0. Yeah. Um, but I think Brighton have a shot in the FA Cup. I do. And I'm going to back them to win here because, like you said, Sheffield United, lads, all focus on the league. Forget about the Cup. Uh, we'll go Brighton to win. But it'll be a good game. There'll be goals, I think, in this game. We'll go 3-2 to Brighton. Yeah, Chris Wilder in midfield for that one, I think. Uh, Fulham Newcastle. Not sure why this one's on TV over Chelsea Villa. If you're going to do an all Premier League game, it's not the most interesting one, but uh, this one's on ITV Four. A bit random, um, but yeah, I mean Fulham already got to a League Cup semi final, missed out by one step in a final. Um, Newcastle obviously got a taste of a final last season. And Newcastle feels like. Not loads left to play in the league. There's obviously a lot of transfer questions over them at the minute. So it's a bit of a weird time for Newcastle. It's a very weird time for Newcastle. Um, I, I would imagine we're in the last the last days, last months of the Eddie Howe reign. With the tune, uh, winning the FA Cup is probably the only thing that's going to save his job because they obviously got bounced from the Champions League. Tough group, injuries, all that absolutely... But you finish bottom. That's the be-all and the end-all of it. Um, They're, what, 10th in the Premier League at the moment. That's definitely not going to be acceptable. So winning the FA Cup, and obviously the route of the League Cup. So winning the FA Cup, I think, is the only way he can save his job. Fulham just lost the Cup semi-final. I think they're going to be bang up for this. I think they're going to go full bore into this. I'm going to back Fulham to win. I'm going to say Fulham win this one 2-1. I think the way they're playing, how they commit players forward into wide areas, the struggles of late of Newcastle fullbacks, particularly Kieran Trippier, the distractions over Trippier, Callum Wilson and Amram. Uh, and sorry. Um, Got managers on the mind. <laughs> Almiron. Almiron. Sorry. Yeah, I do have I'm Ruben Amram on the mind. Uh, the distraction over those players potentially leaving and reportedly wanting to leave in the case of Wilson mm-hmm. and Trippier, I-, I think that's going to cause some some issues for Newcastle. So I'm going to go Fulham to win 2-1. Yeah, if we weren't in a rush, it'd probably be one to discuss the uh, Newcastle transfers, maybe a Monday show. Um, on to Sunday then, we have West Brom hosting uh, Wolves in the Black Country, yeah, Black Country derby. They put this on TV, I think you mentioned it at the time, hoping Wolves would win their replay, and they did. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if this was West Brom-Brentford, there would be some conversations being had of, how do we get out of putting this one on TV? But it is a black country derby. And it's the first one in a couple of years, obviously, because West Brom are playing in the championship. West Brom are a pretty good team, though. They're not not the best team in the championship, but they're a team with pretty good chance of promotion. They're sitting comfortably in the playoff spots, and I would expect that they will be a playoff team. Now, they're a little bit outmatched come the playoffs by Leeds and Southampton just on talent, but I think they've got a manager who's very, very good in Carlos Cabrera. Um, what's his name? Is it Cor- It's not Carlos Cor- Corbin, I think. It is Corbin, isn't it? That's yeah. the pronunciation. Um, who obviously did a good job at Huddersfield is a is a former Bielsa 
Did he get them to a playoff final? Or am I misremembering? He did, yeah. With, yeah. Was it, yeah, with, um, and Levi Colwell scored the own goal. Was that yeah, Brentford? Yeah. No, Brentford bat Swansea. Um, Forest. Forest beat them. Yeah, Forest yeah. beat them with the Colwell own goal. That's exactly what that was. Um, he he's a former Leeds assistant, um, having been Bielsa's assistant. Mm. So it would be funny if he if it was if that's how the playoffs worked out that it was Southampton, Coventry, and Leeds against West Brom as as it would be right now. Um, Wolves are much better at home than away, but I still feel like they should have enough talent, especially with Neto back, Neto and Cunha against that. Chef, uh, that West Brom back line, which lacks a bit of pace. You know, you look at Bartley, you look at Kipre, they're not the quickest. I think they'll also have a bit too much in midfield for them. I, I do like John Swift. Uh, Yukoslu is good. Moat is good. But Wolves have a really strong midfield. So I'm going to go Wolves to win. But again, I think this is going to be a really good game. I'm going to go 3-2 to Wolves. Yeah, that one's an ITV one for uh, UK people. Uh, two o'clock. That kicks off at tw- quarter to twelve, which is madness. A lovely ne- FA Cup ne- kickoff time. Never again. That's disgusting. Uh, two o'clock. Back to normality. We have Watford hosting Southampton. Watford are strange. Like I don't obviously keep up with the championship, but them struggling in the championship and not sacking the manager scares me. Like. What's happened to normality here? It's so unusual. Like yeah. it's like they they might point to the fact that they are only three points off the playoffs, and with the goal difference, they really need four points to get into the playoffs. But like we've seen them in the playoffs sacking managers. We've seen them <laughs> been they, like they, we, they didn't let a bloke who got promoted manage the them. They sacked him in this one. <laughs> they kind of forced him to resign. Ah, uh, you're not like, getting a contract, do what? <laughs> It just they're such a weird club. Um, I highlighted them recently on a daily red. Uh, Andy Wales asked me about championship players that I'd like Liverpool to look at, and Watford of three. Um, and they're they're always really good at finding talent because the 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 Pozo family have been running Udinese for years, and Udinese is a club that was built on you know buying low, developing, and selling high, and finding talent. And they've obviously brought the same kind of mindset and the same scouting network to Watford over the years. And we've seen some really good players go through there. Richarlison, Joe Pedro, Purvis is stupid and was, was there find as well. And they've got a couple of really exciting ones right now. Um, but I mean, this is a tough game for them. Southampton are a better team. Southampton have a lot of Premier League caliber players. I think I'd have to go with Saints to win 2-1. Yeah, I'll go 2-1. Yeah, and Saints on a mad run at the minute or something. I'm not sure what it is exactly. I'm pretty sure like undefeated in a very long time. Yeah, Saints only lost four games all season, and they are unbeaten. It is a long run. When did they last lose? Uh, Da-da-da-da-da-da. Middlesbrough beat them on the 23rd of September. Of course we did. <laughs> is that their last loss? It is. A, it looks like it, according to my flash score. It's telling me. Hang on. Let's see. 
Yeah, so they got pumped by Sunderland. They got hammered. They lost four in a row. They got hammered by Sunderland, hammered by Leicester, beaten by Ipswich, and then Borough beat them. They lost four in a row in the league, and they've not lost since. They'd also gotten knocked out of the EFL Cup by Gillingham in the first round. So they had this disastrous start to the season um, where they they went to Sheffield Wednesday and won. They got knocked out of the Cup by Gillingham. They drew 4-4 at home with Norwich in a mental game. They went and beat Plymouth. Then they beat QPR, who were dreadful this year. Then they lose four in a row, including two hammerings. Then they beat Leeds on the 30th of September, and they have gone from strength to strength since and haven't lost. Battered Walsall in the third round of this competition. They then followed that up by battering Sheffield Wednesday. They went to Swansea and won 3-1. They're in a really good place at the moment. They're playing really exciting football. Manager finally seemed, Russell Martin seems to have found his, found his groove. He's kind of found the balance he wanted in his team as well. So a lot of Premier League caliber players are players that have at least Premier League say, experience there. It does help. <laughs> yeah, it does massively, of course. Yeah, like got a Premier League side in the championship and you spent a bajillion pound in the summer. That's the thing. Like man, they got sixty mil for having it before. Yeah, like they were lucky in that they because they invested in youth not last summer, the summer before. And a lot of it was young players that had real sell on potential. They were able to come down, keep a lot of the young talent, like Sekumara, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, Suleimana, Gavin Basunu, players like that. They were able to keep Kyle Walker-Peters, and I don't know how he's far too good for the championship. But they were also able to keep the experienced players they had, like Adam Armstrong, who's proven quality in the championship. Che Adams, proven quality in the championship. They got Ryan Frazier, proven quality in the championship. All of these lads with good Premier League experience as well. You've got a midfield there of Will Smallbone, Flynn Downs, and um, Stuart Armstrong. Again, Downs and Armstrong, some Premier League experience. But Downs in particular, very, very proven high-level championship player. You've got Bednarak, who's played in the Premier League a long time. Howard Bellis next to him, who was tremendous last year for Burnley in their promotion run. So they're able to find a good a good balance between experience, proven Premier League operators, proven championship operators, and then the young talent like Basunu, like Harwood Bellis, like Mara, like Alcaraz, like Shea Charles, uh, and like Suleimana when when fit. They're in a really good spot right now. And and to be honest, if I'm looking at the championship table, they're the one I expect to finish second. I think they'll nip. Leeds, I think Ipswich will probably drop off and finish fourth. Um, but I think it'll be Southampton that'll come up automatically if I was to pick now. I'm picking them to win this game. I think they'll go to Watford and, and beat them. I just think they're a better team than Watford, even though, like mm-hmm. I said, there's some really fun players at Watford, so that game is worth a watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, half two, then we've got a ITV1 game, Liverpool hosting Norwich, the uh, nightmare of Luis Suarez's past. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's on TV mainly because of Liverpool and uh, domestic telly likes having the big sides on as seeing Manchester United are on the next game. It's not the most exciting game, though. No, I mean, this one shouldn't be on TV. This one shouldn't be on TV at all. Um, 
But it is, it, it, I suppose, now, now sure. there will be real yeah, interest true. because of what's happened today. So I'm guessing what we'll see is a big outpouring of love and adoration for Jurgen Klopp. And he's going to hate it. <laughs> he's going to absolutely hate it. They're going to be singing his song all game long and he's going to be hating it. Um, but hopefully there's a good atmosphere and Liverpool are. Liverpool are in a strong position at the moment. They're in one cup final. They're top of the league and they're progressing well in the Europa League. Jurgen will want to go out with a bang. And I mean, what bigger bang could there be than if he could, if he could sweep the board and, and take home four trophies this year? He'll for certain want to take home multiple trophies. So I think he'll, he'll rotate, but we'll see a strong enough Liverpool side and that'll be enough. Norwich are. I mean, they're a run-of-the-mill championship team this year. They're eighth, one point ahead of Watford. They could get themselves into the playoffs. I don't think they will. I think they'll fall short. Um, the fun part of this is it's it's Jurgen and Jurgen's best friend. It's yeah. it's Klopp versus David Wagner. Um, so at least it'll be that side of it too. But yeah, Liverpool to win 4-1. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not the most interesting game, as we mentioned. But, uh, yeah, on to half four, then. This is on the Beeb. Uh, Newport County hosting Manchester United, Dave. Again, maybe slightly less worse situation than Newcastle, just by the sheer spawniness of them picking up results a few months ago where Scott McTominay turned into the best player in the world. But the FA Cup seems like, Probably one of the last things United have to play for. I mean, they could probably still get top four, but it's very unlikely. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's much chance of top four if we look at the table. There. Oh, they're eight points behind. Maybe not. No. They're, they're 11 points yeah, behind. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. They're eight points behind fifth. Yeah. So I think they're looking at yeah, yeah. Europa League football. I think I think the manager is 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 working for his job now with the, the new ownership situation there. I think he's, he's kind of in an audition phase for the next mm. five months. I think he but has to have success. There's already talk of like his signings getting booted out already. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, this game is on TV because it's Newport County playing Manchester mm-hmm. United. You know, it's 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 this great story um, of a smaller team who have done well to get to this point in the tournament. Um, they're a League Two team. Obviously, they sit in mid-table in League Two. There's nothing special about them but i'm i'm really happy that they've gotten this opportunity like when you're a a, a non league or league 2 side and you can get to this round of the FA Cup what you want what you dream of is one of these giant clubs coming to play at your stadium so i mean rodney parade i wouldn't imagine is a ground that when United were selling the dream to Casemiro, they told him, someday, son, you're going to get to play at Rodney Parade in front of roughly 7,500 people. But it'll be packed to the gills. They'll make as much noise as they possibly can. It's a tremendous opportunity for them to swell the coffers and you know get themselves into a good financial situation. I know they've had some financial issues uh, in recent years at the club. Um, they were they, they were a club that actually went out of business back in 
like 87, 88, 89, kind of the late 80s, they went out of business and were reformed. And it's been a tough slog for them. They had a long, long absence out of the um, out of the football league. They're back in now. They're like I said, they're mid table in the in League Two. That's kind of where they live. But this is a big opportunity. Imagine if they pull off an upset. Like this would be the upset of all upsets if they could pull this off. I don't expect them to. I expect United to win comfortably. I expect United to win by three or four clear goals. Um, but, ah, look, hopefully, if even if they can score one goal, if Newport can score one goal, it doesn't really matter. They'll get to celebrate that moment. Some player is going to be able to tell his grandkids that he once scored against Man United in the FA Cup, and it would be an enormous story for him to have. So we'll say United to win 3-1, 4-1. We'll go 4-1. But uh, I think Newport could make it a little bit uncomfortable for them at times. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Is Onana back? I saw he fell out with the Cameroon people. No, he's not allowed to come back, apparently, <laughs> because uh, he has to stay at the AFCON. It's uh, a magnificent thing. He, so he refu- So let's just wrap up with Onana. He refused to travel, insisted on staying with United. Somehow this was allowed, despite every other club having to release their players. He went over. He didn't play the first game because he stayed with United. He was absolutely horrendous in the second game. And then he got dropped. (laughs) What a wonderful, wonderful thing. He is dreadful. He is dreadful. On the plus side, at least uh, the Turkish fella might get to play. If I actually get a game now. It's going to be Tom Heaton now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it probably will. It'd be so funny if it was. Um, but yeah, 4-1 to United. Uh, and quickly, last game on Monday, Blackburn hosting Wrexham on BBC Wales. Fantastic. Uh, uh, again, I mean, this game is on TV because, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Um, but look, Wrexham are second in, in League Two and in a really good position to come up because four teams come out of the of League Two into League One, three automatically won by the playoffs. If they can get promoted and do do back to back and find a way into League One, then Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have more than delivered on every single promise. Bar obviously they they said they'd they'd do stuff with the stadium, which is I believe is is, is in the process of of starting. Um, if not already underway, um, it's uh, look. People can say, "Oh, you know, million the Hollywood millions." What? Well, go away! Don't be annoying me. Like this is it's just a great fun story that these two lads, one of whom had no idea what he was getting involved with, have come into a club like Wrexham, a club that when I was a kid, Wrexham were an important club. Like. Wrexham and Swansea would have been on about the same level. Cardiff were the big Welsh club and then Wrexham and Swansea were on about the same level. And oftentimes Wrexham were the number two team in Wales. And obviously they kind of become the number four team in Wales for a long time now because Newport were in the in the football league and Wrexham weren't. Um, I, I still remember an FA Cup, I think it was an FA Cup third round Saturday. We... FA Cup third round Saturday was always a massive thing when I was growing up. So 
my stepfather and all his mates would go to the Roundo, which is a pub in Navan, and they would watch the early game and they'd watch the 3 p.m. game and they might even watch the 5.30 game and then there'd be a late game. There'd be like an 8 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. game as well, but you'd be home for that one. So I'd often go with them. We'd sit there, play pool, watch the game. There could be multiple games on. There'd be multiple TVs up. Uh, the Keenan family owned the pub and they were Tom and Mark. Tom was the father, Mark, the son. Big into football as well. The bar would be packed. There'd be just people coming in and out. The, the atmosphere was always great. You'd watch the games. There'd be slagging. There'd be banter. If your team lost, there was a, a tradition where however many ticket goals your team lost by. So, or, I mean, say if your team lost 2 0 or 2 1, you'd get your ear pulled twice, like quite a hard yank on your earlobe, like a pinch and a yank. It was just. It was a little thing that they did. It was it was fun. It was all in good nature. And there'd just be this constant slagging going on. And, you know, it was just incredibly fun as a young person. I was only, you know, a preteen and then a, a teenager. And you'd get home and then you'd watch whatever game was on the late game. But I, I remember being in the roundo most of a day on Saturday, coming home and Arsenal versus Wrexham was on. It was the last game. And I remember Mickey Thomas scoring the winner for Wrexham against Arsenal. And my uncle George was an Arsenal fan. And at that point, there was no mobile phones. So my stepfather is on that phone ringing George's house, telling George's wife, you tell George I'll be out to pull the ear off him (laughs) in the next day or two because his team are after losing to Wrexham. So Wrexham, that's the, the, the primary memory I have of Wrexham as a kid. I, I want them to do well because of that, because they beat Arsenal and upset my Uncle George so tremendously. I want them to do well. I want them to win this game. But I'm not sure they will because the Championship to League Two is a big, big jump. And obviously, Blackburn aren't having a great season. They sit 17th, but they should still have too much quality for Wrexham. So, and they're at home. So I'm going to go Blackburn to win 2-1. And that's the last game. There we go. Right, folks, we will leave it there. Uh, We have a very, very busy day. Very busy day uh, ahead of us with all the Jurgen Klopp stuff. So we'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.